sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, October 30th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line giving you the edge here on the grid. I am Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day, a profitable weekend, and we will try to put the fun in functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we had an NFC South division matchup last night on Thursday Night Football, and I got to tell you the truth, Kev late in the game when I saw Arthur blank on the sidelines but knew the Panthers had a shot to score, go for two, force overtime, and they were putting up win probabilities on the screen. I was like, oh, my goodness, it may happen again. But no, like, honestly, Kev, when Young Wing Koo missed that extra point to keep it a one-score oh game, gosh. you cannot tell me you didn't think, uh-oh, there's the path. It is still possible. But no, the Atlanta Falcons do finish the deal, get their second win of the season, 25-17. Yeah. to 17. Todd Gurley gets in the in- end zone again intentionally this time. And Matt Ryan with a pretty efficient 21 for 30, 281 yards. Julio Jones, when he was on the field, was absolutely beasting, like you said, Kev, when it related to the prop bet. If he was out there, Mm -hmm. he would do work, and he did. Seven catches, 137 yards in a game that was kind of, you know, played, I thought, kind of inside a phone booth with each other. We thought it was going to be rainy and windy. It wasn't that bad, but the Panthers get a big W, their second win of the season. Excuse me, the Falcons, their second win of the season. So, uh, you know, there's a lot here, but I got to tell you, see – Young Ku misses that extra point, right? Mm-hmm. And most people are like, oh my gosh, the poor Falcons. Except I and anybody else that had bet the under went, no, 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 no. See, if you lose an over because of a missed extra point, my heart breaks for you. But we've all been there. To lose an under because of a missed extra point, would be absolutely criminal. And had the Panthers scored the touchdown plus the two-point conversion, we'd have 50 total points, we'd go to overtime, and there would have probably been a field goal that would have won the game, and it would have got to 53, and we would have lost because of an extra point. And I really don't know if you would have been doing the show alongside me because I would have been <laughs> so angry. I probably would have needed a day off. What if but you got all happen. that stuff but then didn't get any points in overtime and it ended as a tie to stay under the number? <laughs> Maybe I missed the first hour of the show. I'm like, listen, I need <laughs> right, a right, but right. I'll, I'll, I'll come and I'll close out the second hour. Um, yes, by the way, the Julio thing, the whole like, oh, injury caveat didn't matter. Yep. He had 50 yards on the first two plays. He, got, he went over his yeah. prop. He went over his prop on the second drive. So he does, he's 100% the number one guy. The thing is, he's going to probably have receiving props now in the 90s with a Calvin Ridley injury that's going to keep him out at least next week. Uh, we spoke to the yeah. pro football doc, Dr. Big. David Chow, and he said oh, okay. it's going to keep him out at least next week, uh, if not longer. So Julio's numbers are going to keep going up. I got to tell you, 
I really think this is a game where we might have one more chance to take advantage of what is a Panthers defense that's as bad as we thought. The Falcons scored oh, yeah. 25, and it could have been so much more. It They mm-hmm. couldn't score in the red zone because, of course not, but they didn't even try. Fourth and twos, fourth and ones, fourth and threes. Yeah. Everything was a field goal. This Panthers defense is horrendous. Yeah, we knew that as we welcome in our radio audience. Big shout out to all the affiliates. Thanks for getting up early with us, getting on the grid here with the early line. You know, Kev, I think we knew that, right? And I, they were talking about it during the game as well. I know you don't always hear the telecast, right? But they mentioned yeah. a bunch of times, Kev, that, you know, Matt Rule in his first year when they had their first draft, they invested every single pick on the defensive side of the ball. They were all over the kid, Jeremy Chin, who really does look like a playmaker, and they found a kind of diamond in the rough there and they were also talking kev about like listen people thought teddy bridgewater was going to be this placeholder bridge quarterback based on the contract they gave him but that listen the offense for the carolina panthers is really not the issue right that they have the weapons on the outside robbie anderson has turned into a great signing we saw dj moore get more involved curtis samuel as the swiss army knife that he is for this team we have been also Kev lauding Mike Davis. He has, you know, kind of come back to reality a little bit. You know, only one catch, 66 yards on the ground. But they're also saying next time around when the Panthers hit the field, CMC will also be dressing for them. What's really interesting, though, is so the Panthers were great on their first drive. Although I would say a pretty eh, pass on penalties. Penalties helped them, yeah. So, So, right, and that's how they got their first drive. Then Matt Ryan throws a pick. The drive starts in the 40. Flea flicker, Curtis Samuel, right. touchdown. Three points from there. Their offense kind of was not very good. And right. what was really puzzling, and by the way, awful prop night. Awful prop night. Uh, Todd Gurley, anytime touchdown scorer, and a Julio over are, are pretty much the only popular plays that people would have had that made them some money. Right. The Mike Davis... the. He should have been running the ball way more. I felt like he was yeah. gashing them more often than not. 13 for 66. I don't understand why he did not have more carries. I, I really, really don't. I, and I think that was a mistake there. And it's not like we can say, ah, oh, but he's not McCaffrey. It doesn't matter. So I know the Panthers were mistaken in how they approached this game, at least offensively. I thought the ground game should have been a, a bigger part of it throughout. It wasn't. They go down, and uh, I think it's fair to say we can remove them from this NFC conversation uh, if they were still even in it before the game. Yeah, I don't know that they were in it. I think they were like a nice story that was overperforming. You mentioned Calvin Ridley goes down. Teddy got banged up with his neck, came on back. We saw P.J. Walker of XFL fame. We'll talk more after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge bright and early in the morning on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, 
Um, as it relates to the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, you know, I think, listen, with Carolina, we didn't really expect them to be a playoff team. I think you, you've you mentioned like 16, you know, eight teams for six spots, you know, and we don't count the Carolina Panthers, similar to not counting maybe a team like the Detroit Lions among them, right? You know, I, I think they're kind of still on the come, still a long way to go. But what I will say, I like the future for the Carolina Panthers. And the reason is because look at the other quarterbacks in that division, Kev. You know, Drew Brees, what, a year left. Tom Brady, well, maybe he'll play until he's 70, right? Matt Ryan, they're already talking about sort of the end of his tenure, whether it's by trade, a new coach, a new regime, what have you. If you fast forward like a year, maybe two, uh, you know, Brees, Brady, and Matt Ryan will probably still not be there. Matt Rule, Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater, and that developing team, maybe, right? And so they could eventually assume, as we look at the cycles of it all, you know, we could have a Panthers era on our hands in that division before too soon. Yeah, I just don't know if Teddy's the guy that brings it in. I really don't. I I know people love Teddy, but realistically, you know, his current nine touchdown to six interception ratio is nothing to write home about. And mm-hmm. I think there's a reason why this team, even after signing him, was heavily linked to the 2021 quarterback class. Now, they might give themselves a bit more time, and they might not play around in that market. They're certainly on track to be too good to land a top-five pick. But as kind of to what you're saying here, you know, Tom, Drew, Two years from now, both being gone, the Panthers might be, you know, drafting a quarterback at that point. Who knows what the Falcons are doing? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. You know, like I've always said, Kev, you know, unfortunately, as a Jets fan, right? Like all I wanted to be was primed and ascending when the Patriots ultimately fall. Right. And I always thought that, hey, when they drafted Sam Darnold, I was like, listen, he's going to be going into year three right at the time. Like, that's perfect. In fact, exactly what the Buffalo Bills and that division have done. Be primed and ready to really ascend and take that step and Mm -hmm. be a contender just as the kind of, you know, division big dogs were falling down. And I think Carolina is primed to be able to hit the cycle in the right way as Drew Brees and these Tampa Bay Bucks and even Matt Ryan kind of walk off into the sunset. But here we got to talk now more about not the future in a couple of years but week eight of the nfl season which is a very pressing matter and kev as usual we have to talk before we get into some of the games about you know some interesting situations that may happen because of covid now yesterday we learned after the show kev that the new york giants had an issue on their hand. Guard Will Hernandez has tested positive for COVID. And now, much like we saw with the Vegas Raiders last week, okay, the first step is to figure out who are the close contacts. Well, it's obvious the close contacts are the rest of the offensive line. And so they had to stay home. They work remotely, what have you. But here's what I thought is interesting. And this is something I didn't necessarily know here. Check out this Tom Pelissero tweet. When it comes to the close contacts, right? That's fine. If you're a close contact, you got to get tested. If you're negative, okay. But if you're a close contact, Kev, and deemed one of the high-risk players, then even if you test negative, you got five days where you're down no matter what. And because of that, if any of these guys or anybody else in the Giants that are a close contact of Will Hernandez is also a high risk, it is the five-day issue that would get us beyond Monday Night Football. Yeah. They would be out as the Tampa Bay Bucks come in. Remember how Dr. Chow told us with the Raiders, um, it was early in the week, 
and that they got the benefit of the extra day because they didn't have to travel. Um, and so they would be cleared by the Sunday. We, we even talked on Pro Football Today with Doc about the potential for uh, teams to get a private chartered flight on the morning once guys are cleared to be able to go. Yeah. But because this was known now on a Thursday – they would be down for Monday night football if they are also, you know, a high risk player. So something to watch there. We had similar situations in Los Angeles with the Chargers in terms of the close contact and now doing the tracing, Kev. Yeah, I think in terms of the Bucks Giants game, that spread's still on the board, although it is now up to 11 and a half, 11 and a half point road favorites. Pretty significant number there yeah. next to the Bucks. Uh, I believe it moved a point uh, on the heels of this news. And something you and I were discussing a little bit off air what will the NFL want to do from a scheduling perspective? Uh, clearly, right. they are not uh, loving the idea of handing their TV partners uh, empty slates. Even if they say, ah, we'll play Tuesday. You're going to have the game then. Well, it's not Monday. Uh, we got Monday right. Night Football. We got an empty spot. We probably already have programming booked for that Tuesday, right? Also, I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. will want to be on Tuesday. Just being honest, yeah. ratings and sexra, uh, it's not a good night for TV. There may be another so, national focus on Tuesday this week. Yeah. It's and, and it, but like we left, but like it is a very valuable thing to for this game to be on Monday and not Tuesday. And there you go. And I, I think ultimately, how does the NFL navigate that? Because yeah. you're not gonna move the Bucks Giants game up, right? Like that's not a thing. Because if anything, they need more time, right? Exactly, right? So, And maybe you play it on Tuesday, fine, whatever. Can you take a game where both parties say, sure, we'll play Monday? It's a lot easier than taking teams and, again, giving them less time. And like, hey, would you guys, right. are you cool with an extra day? They might, but what game is that? What game fits the description? Tough to say. Yeah, no, I think that's true. But remember, the NFL has been continuing to set precedents as we've gone through the first half of the season, right? We see now it's almost normal for a doubleheader on Monday night, and that may be what they do, right? Try to move another game to Monday night just in case, right? And if they, then if they have to move Giants or postpone, unfortunately, Giants, Bucks, they have another Monday night game. We've seen the precedent of Tuesday night football, like you said, and then we've also seen the precedent last week of them moving and shaping to ensure that some of the network partners and some of the primetime games can go on as scheduled. That's why we got, you know, Cardinal Seahawks in the Sunday night spot last week. You know, we may have to have our guys behind the scenes, Venmo Brian, look, my guess would be, Kevin, are there any two teams that are playing each other this week that have buys on week nine? Right, because then maybe you could move their game a full day and they would be. But I don't even know if that's the truth. I don't even know if that's the case. Right. So we'll look into that. But, you know, we will keep this as a moving story. Now, remember, okay, uh, when it happened with the Raiders offensive line. Didn't matter, right? They ultimately were able to play and we're doing it here on the early line. So. We may get word that the Giants are clear, everything is okay, and they go off without a hitch. But this is becoming part of our new normal and part of a way to try to get through an NFL season in the context of a growing pandemic in this country. I do find it ironic, though, Kev, that two weeks in yeah. a row now, the team Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks happen to be facing will have concerns on their offensive line. Nice little stretch for Todd Bowles and his defense going up against the compromised offensive line, huh? 
No conspiracies, no conspiracies. I did quickly look. Um, the bye weeks okay. for next week are uh, Browns, Bengals, Rams, and Eagles. So that does the NFL mm. no favors, um, kind of in terms of what you're talking about, scheduling-wise. And, you know, again, I, I see, I realize, I'm like, oh, it's no problem to have a team move up, but obviously that means you're going to have an extra day taken away from you next week. Um, Packers Niners is your Thursday nighter. So that right Next there week. automatically rules out uh, San Seattle and Green Bay, yeah. Minnesota. And also you would have to think, right, it would be a game that, you know, isn't really coveted by the networks, kind of. Right. And right. it's be a to one like a one o'clock spot. Colts Lions, maybe. Um, I could yeah, see and, and remember, being on the table. We don't even know if that's what the NFL would do, right? We don't even know that that's, yeah. you know, kind of the move left in the NFL's back pocket. What we have seen is that the NFL will do what they need to to try to preserve the primetime opportunity for their network partners. That's why they moved but, Seattle and Arizona last time. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they need yeah. to. Right, but the fact that this happened mm-hmm. on Thursday instead of Monday, like the Raiders last week, means time is not on their side. But again, it is a genuinely important note that them moving the game to Tuesday does ESPN no favors. Absolutely oh, yeah, no favors. They do not want that. So they need a Monday game, and that does add to why yeah. we're having this conversation. All right, so we'll go game by game when we come back and figure out what we think and what game it could be on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Big shout, of course, to our radio affiliates around the country, around the globe as well. Thanks for getting up early with us, getting you what you need here as we dive into the Week 8 games. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, the marquee matchup, the game of the week, has to be in the AFC North, right, where the Pittsburgh Steelers go to Baltimore to see the Ravens, okay? I want to make something clear, okay? I believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers are, you know, higher in the tiers right now uh, based on the way they have performed than Baltimore. We have talked about this, Kev, but I believe Baltimore is likely the play in this game, and that is because of uh, it's just a bad spot for Pittsburgh. In my humble opinion, they had a physical overtime battle with another contender in Tennessee last week, and what were the Ravens doing last week? Licking and healing their wounds on a bye. They are also the home team in this one, so it is a tough spot for me. Three, you get the hook as well. Baltimore at home welcoming in the last undefeated team in the NFL. Yeah, as much as I'd love to sit here and argue with you that uh, Baltimore belongs on the same line, ultimately what difference does it make? Uh, We'll get that answer this week, right? Uh, The Steelers win this game, then Baltimore does not belong on the same line. That's just the reality of it. As long as Baltimore gets the job done, even if it is a very, very good scheduling spot for them, then they go right back to belonging on the same tier. You can parse who is one, who is two in the north, but... 
it, it's just such such a big game for Baltimore, man. And I think the spot lines up perfectly for them. Jim Harbaugh, very good with his extra preparation off of the bye week. They're home oh. as well, which of course matters. And you've got the Steelers coming off of what was an incredibly difficult game against the Tennessee right. Titans. A game, by the way, I mean, this almost went from an A schedule spot to an A++ schedule spot. Had Steven Goskowski made a field goal and sent that game into overtime. And I will say, I really do wonder what this number is if that game goes to overtime, if the Titans win the toss, and if the Titans finish them. Is this three and a half or is this five and a half? Is this maybe even closer to six? I'm not I don't sure. Think it's that far. It might be no man's land, but it's already beyond three, right? It would never get to six, in my opinion. I think you'd be stuck in that four, five kind of no man's land <sighs> spot. You know, Kevin, let me ask you something else, though. I was bold. I don't know if you heard it. I was bold on last uh, Sunday's Pro Football Today. I picked a Derrick Henry under rushing prop. I had faith in this Pittsburgh Steelers run defense that's second in the NFL, giving up only 68 yards a game. Okay, And I said they would be able to slow the run. They would focus on the run, be able to stop the run. And, you know, Derrick Henry got going towards the end, but ultimately they did slow the run. Right. Derrick Henry went under the number 70 some odd yards. Now we have Baltimore. We have Baltimore Mm -hmm. who brings in the number one rushing offense in the NFL. Right. Mark Ingram is still a little bit banged up, but it doesn't matter. They do this by committee. There's Lamar. There's Dobbins. There's Edwards. There's, you know, Hollywood and Duvernay and the wide receiver facets of this, which we are growing to see is a big piece of the way teams run in the NFL these days. So the question is. Like, can they do it again? And by that, I mean, can the Steelers stifle another high-end run game? It looks a little bit different. It's not King Henry. It's multifaceted. It's Lamar. But can the Steelers' run defense do it again? I just want to say um, I am livid at your cohorts on Sunday for challenging you and you then being able to label that call bold. But that is their Oh, no, fault. they said it was incredibly Therefore, bold. They were like, I know. bold I know. call. Dang. I know. Hey. I know. That's on them. That's what that's on them. So it is what it is. Ultimately, I'll tell you this. This is a game you try not to do this too much. I am I am more narrative than numbers. I really believe Lamar has a huge game. I okay. I think slowly we're seeing him get back to from last year on the ground. Two of the last three games he's ripped he's ripped off 40 plus yard rushing touchdowns. I think we very well can see MVP Lamar this week, 100 on the ground, gets into the end zone, a little bit more through the air. And the one thing that I think the numbers actually might support me on a little bit, at the minimum, it's a conversation. I think the better defense plays home this week, not on the road. I really believe that we've not even remotely given this Ravens defense enough credit. They were wonderful against the Texans team that looked much better in games versus the Chiefs versus the Steelers. And even the game against, like, we really moved far too quickly past what they did to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And we tossed it up to being, ah, rookie quarterback, bad offensive line. That Bengals team puts up points consistently now under Burrow. There's some really good weapons there, and they obliterated that group. And it would have been a shutout if not for a last-second field goal. I appreciate the last-second field goal. But, I mean, they obliterated that group. Big Ben on the heels of a three-interception game 
This is the type of game that Ben gets hit a lot. Yannick Ngakwe's debut, might I remind folks. I think that's the one thing here. We're going to hear a lot about, oh, can Lamar survive this defense? I don't know if Big Ben can can survive this Baltimore defense. No, that's interesting. I was going to mention the Yannick Ngakwe debut. Remember, he was traded from the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, Baltimore was in like a bye week last week, so you may not remember that. For me, the question is, Will, if Pittsburgh can slow the run, what happens if and when? Remember, we talk about this all the time with Baltimore oddly still as one of those teams that need the path to victory. What happens if it becomes on the arm of Lamar Jackson, either because Pittsburgh can stop the run or because, like we saw in Kansas City, if Pittsburgh has the elite enough offense that they can get out in front of Baltimore. Remember, Lamar Jackson has only thrown for 200 yards twice so far this season. It was in weeks one and two. Two. And so, again, we wonder if Lamar can lead a team through the air. And I wonder if Pittsburgh is the kind of team that can get them into that situation. But it is the marquee game. And remember, for me, even if the Ravens win, it's not going to kill my perception of Pittsburgh because I do believe it is a tough spot. Another big AFC game, Kev, that we have is the Las Vegas Raiders. They go to Cleveland to take on the Cleveland Browns, who will be, of course, without Odell Beckham, still without Nick Chubb. But Baker, a lot of people are thinking that Baker is more efficient. Baker could be I don't think they're better without Odell, but what I do think could be possible is that Baker is allowed to actually read the field, right, and actually dictate the defense, dictate where he goes with the ball instead of trying to, you know, force feed Odell, where you hear about what the Browns have to do is get Odell involved early. Well, they don't have to do that, and Baker looked good in the second half. These are two teams, though, that, listen, Kev, the Browns are 29th in the league. In defense, giving up 29 points a game. The Raiders are, you know, last. Only worst is the Cowboys. They're 31st in the league. So teams can score on these defenses. For me, mm. here's the key. I believe the Browns at least has a playmaking defense. Miles Garrett may be the leader in the in the clubhouse for the Defensive Player of the Year award. And check this out, Kev. On the season, the Raiders minus five in the turnover margin. The Browns Mm. plus five in the turnover margin. So in a game where I think these offenses can both move the ball, these defenses can both allow teams to move the ball, and I see such a huge turnover margin, I know Miles Garrett can make plays. I think that kind of issue, a big mistake or a big play on defense, could be the difference in this game. Yeah, I just want to say this on the Odell thing, by the way. The notion that they are better than without one of the most talented players is so ridiculous, ridiculous. okay? And by the way, if it's like, yeah, but look, Baker clearly feels more... That's a Baker problem then, okay? Ask Matt Ryan if he he prefers to play with Julio or without Julio. Ask Kyler Murray how his life has improved since Hopkins has got there. That that forced Odell as well early in the game. At the end of the day, though, that's not Odell's fault. I'm just, I'm just no, making I'm that like that's is. not an Odell. No, no, and I'm not saying yeah, you are. There's a lot of people that that are that they sure. saw Odell leave the game because Baker looked like garbage, and then he started to figure it out against the bad Bengals. I'm just saying, like it's, it's just totally that's nonsense. Right. If people are getting to the window because Odell is out on the Browns, I hate that. It almost makes me not want to back the Browns, but. I think they've made this easier on us here. Now, again, that's always nerve-wracking. But this should be three and a half, not two and a half. Vegas, week one, goes to the East Coast, right? They do what they never do, win. What'd they do, though, in week three against the Pats? 
They got obliterated. They look like they didn't belong. And that's a Patriots team that I still have no idea if they're coming or going. My point is, under a field goal, Vegas, west to east. That's the almost the entirety of the analysis for me, Nate. Again, mm. Vegas hung around with Tampa Bay much longer than that game suggested. I wanted to come in here, be the sharp knife in the draw. Vegas is better right. than we realize. They can cover this number. I don't think, for whatever reason, they're giving Cleveland enough respect or they're not factoring in the travel implications for the Raiders. This is a team that under Gruden has struggled on the road, period, especially coming to the East for 1 o'clock start times. Yeah, I hear you, and I agree. You know I care about the body clock. You know I put stock into those kinds of stats. And, you know, all the more reason why maybe both of these teams will be looking to establish the run early on, right? Josh Jacobs and Kareem Hunt to try to get into the flow. Kev, let me ask you something. One of the other things we're batting about in this show is the idea of the scheduling conflicts with the COVID testing, right? So, Kev, Mm. what if this is a game that moves from a 1 o'clock start time? Yeah, no, this is a, but this is a great game, right? The only reason yeah, why that's what I'm saying. It I wouldn't be throw, live as an option. The problem is, does Fox want to part ways with it? I don't know how that right. works. The Fox also apparently has rights to the Tua game here. I'm basing this off ESPN. Fox has rights to the Green Bay game as well, which is Rodgers. Yep. So maybe this is, you know, quote unquote, low man on their totem pole. I don't know how that works as to whether they go to Fox. Or they go to CBS and they say, you help us here and you help us there. And I think it might be CBS because probably Fox cut him a break by giving him Seattle, Arizona last week last in the Sunday time, nighter. Right. So that's why. But this would be a great primetime game. I'd love, love Browns Raiders in primetime. When we come back, we talk about the marquee games in the NFC here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't worry. Things are going to be okay. Keep your head up. <laughs> Things will be all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, back here on the early line, going into a football Friday, week eight of the NFL season. Dane Martinez and the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, at the top of the NFC this week. You know, it's so interesting, Kev, that NFC West, right, is getting a little bit tighter. Seattle loses. Some people think, you know, San Francisco getting back on the good foot. It is getting a little bit tighter. The division odds are what people are looking at. And boy, how those odds may continue to change depending on the out. And the result of this one, when San Francisco this week goes to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Kev, we all love Russell Wilson. I still believe he's the front runner for the MVP award, even though he threw interceptions in overtime last week, right? But here's the deal, and here's what people are not realizing, and or maybe people are starting to realize, right? This defense is bad, Kev. This defense, while Seattle <laughs> has like the number one offense in the league, they literally, Kev, are last in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. I'm seriously, literally last. 479 I know. yards a game. 
they give up. Now, granted, they haven't had prize edition Jamal Adams in the last few weeks. Granted, they made a move to try to address this on some level, trading for Carlos Dunlap this week. But people have to realize, you know, it's this idea of, oh, we're going to let Russ cook. Russ has to cook because they have a defense that's piss poor on the other side, Kev. I'm starting to get worried about what happens on that Sunday show. On what planet you think people don't realize this defense is garbage. Everyone knows it's garbage. The problem is Russ keeps bailing them out. Russ so we were having a conversation. Yeah. But we were thinking about it, right? So we are talking about, ah, Russ creates a lot, da, 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 right? This team is two yards away from being 3-3, three and three, and it has nothing to do with Russ, right? Alexander Madison and sure. Cam Newton sure. were a yard away, each of them, right? From this team being yeah. three and three. And by the way, those would have been home and both losses. Of those were in Seattle. That's right. Yeah, see, we're right here. We're right here. I don't know how good Seattle is. Okay. And insanely enough, see, this is Seattle, though, is almost a perfect team for you and I. We were both mm-hmm. 100% correct. You were like, I trust Russ. Just give me Russ and I'll figure it out. And I'm like, Dane, I get it. But that that regression, like, can they continue to get this lucky? Papa. And. Basically, they just have been. They've just continued to have these things bounce their ways. In come yes. the Niners, 3-0 on the road. Niners now, two in a row. Two pretty impressive wins. One against the Rams. The other, even if you don't like, like this Patriots roster, they housed New England in New England. That's a very, very good win. This number was three. I said, this is going to be great. It'll get to three and a half. Everybody will expect the Seattle bounce back. I'm, again, going to be sharpest knife in the draw. No, right. two and a half. It's gone the other way. Across the number, yep. I feel uncomfortable taking two and a half points against Russell Wilson off of the loss. I think realistically, this team is just going to still continue to score, score, score. And I think the way we talk about the Niners, right? They want to run the football, they want to get in their groove. Mm-hmm. What will be really interesting is for Seattle, what do they look like against a team that just wants to run? If they get out to a lead, can they sap the Niners from what they want to be? Or are the Niners just going to always be in the mix? Nah, they stick with it. Find, I find the spread pretty tough to play here, but I think it's just another Seattle over. 53.5, two competent offenses, and I'll take the game over the number. Fair enough. Remember, that 49ers defense is top five in the league. They're giving up less than 20 points a game. But I understand what you're saying. I don't, Kev, I'm happy to take the points in this one. Why? Because think about their two games last year. You know, the overtime field goal, one-point hmm. win. The last week of the season, another one of those games, Kev, that it was a yard, right, depending. And these guys always play close games. I would be – and, you know, that's the that's the MO for these Seahawks, right? Can Russ pull it out? So I'd be intrigued by the points on a player side from a fantasy side here. I think you got to um, consider some guys on San Francisco. Remember, I said Brandon Ayuk was part of the waiver wire, diamonds in the rough with Debo Samuel down, another wide receiver, just like we saw with Curtis Samuel uh, in last night's game, who will also help you in the run game. And don't forget, Tevin Coleman It may be activated from IR to help that running back room in San Francisco. And he could be a viable place to look in fantasy for the next couple of weeks. Remember, Mostert down, Jeff 
Wilson Jr. down as well. As we keep it moving here, Kev, another NFC game between teams that are above 500. The New Orleans Saints go to Chicago to take on the Bears. And, Kev, I don't know what to make of this game because I don't know what wide receivers are going to be playing. Allen Robinson is going camping. He's in the tent still with the concussion protocol. We have no idea about Michael Thomas when he will ever come back, whether it's an ankle, whether it's a hamstring, or whether it is fighting his teammates, Manny Sanders, we have not heard word from. He is still on the COVID-19 list. I don't think we're getting him back. And here's the thing for me, Kev, this Saints defense is still giving up 29 points a game. Are they improving, though? Because you were on this early that the Saints defense was really bad. If they are going Mm -hmm. to be a contender, they need to improve that defense. Now, I don't know if the Bears have the horses to threaten this defense, but let's talk about the Saints here real quick. Do you think there is improvement on that side of the ball? Held the Panthers to 24 at home, so it's a bit better. But then I watched okay. what Carolina just did on Thursday, and I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think as the weeks go on, I expect them to get better. I got to say, Dane, this is either the most disrespectful line of the season or the book is 100% positive that not only Allen Robinson misses this game, but Khalil Mack is going to miss it as well. Talk to me. I mean, Cleo Mack currently didn't have an injury, is currently not practicing. So, I mean, no, I okay, mean, what is this the book is the, saying that leads you to believe that? What is the book It's saying the that, book the, that if the that. Bears went to New Orleans, they'd be getting 11 and a half points. Let's just say they'd be getting at least 10 in New Orleans. You, I think, even as a low man on the Bears, can't think the Saints should be laying double digits to them if they were to be playing in New Orleans. There's just no way. That is far too gone. Philly is not even laying 10 to Ben DiNucci. The number is far too gone here. But I have mentioned A-Rob might be the most important wide receiver to a point spread. And if Khalil Mack is out, that drastically changes what this Bears defense can do. I think this is the type of game that shapes up perfectly for one of our gentlemen's bets, but I don't think either of us should be looking to do anything here until, as you've mentioned, know who's on the field. Because right now, this number is far too gone, I think, from where it should be. You know, I'm going to surprise you here. If there's a gentleman's bet, it might be elsewhere in this game. I have a weird feeling that this game does not go over the 43 and a half. I might lean under on this game. I mean, I have not, Again, if there's no Allen Robinson, how are the Bears moving the ball? You and I both have now agreed that David Montgomery is, you know, blunt guts trash, right? So how do they move the ball? How do they move the ball if there's no Allen Robinson? And then I got to tell you the truth. On the other side, what I have seen is this Bears defense is above average. If there's no Michael Thomas, no Manny Sanders, sure, I'll give you Aaron Kamara, who, by the way, has had something like over 115 scrimmage yards in like his last yeah. seven games. So that you can take to the bank. But I got to tell you the truth, Kev. I am starting to get to the point on the side of the Saints and how is Drew Brees performing and is this Saints offense the same, really good, still dynamic. I'm coming to the side of maybe not. And if you put all that together, I don't know if this game goes over the number, Kev. I I think you might have yourself a gentleman's bet. I don't know what... what, The the Saints played a primetime game where in the second half, Breeze was terrible. And I almost just... 
They scored 30 against Green Bay, 35 against Detroit, yeah. 30 against the Chargers, and 27 last but week. The Bears defense you, is I mean, good. Yeah, but, but this home. is what I'm talking about here. If Khalil's out, that's got to be a lot less uh, of a threatening sight. And I just think we're looking at a 43-and-a-half. The game right above it on the FanDuel Sportsbook is Broncos Chargers, which is a 44-and-a-half. Like, I don't think... I trust the Chargers offense to be more dynamic than either of these two right now. I think the Saints are being slighted on the offensive side of the football. Okay. I think the Bears right. can still go out there and score some points. I, I think I would take this game over the 43-and-a-half. That's what, I just think all of these numbers, the numbers all feel off to me. Ultimately, it's a game. This is the reason why I bet at noon on Sunday, and I'm not an early line shopper um, because mm. I just I need all of the information necessary. But no, right. I would rather play this game over the number. I would not feel comfortable playing under 43 and a half with these two teams. All right, fair enough. I am not going to take this gentleman's bet yet because I am going to listen to you and wait to hear mm -hmm. the status of Khalil Mack because I think you are right. That is definitely an important piece of this game. Maybe, however, Kev, I can tempt you on and under in this next one. I think this hmm. one, maybe I can tempt you with the Los Angeles Rams travel all the way across Ooh. the country to the Miami Dolphins. Now, here's the yes. thing, Kev, both of these literally are top three defenses in terms of points allowed per game. I, I was surprised when I looked into that. The Rams are second in the NFL right now, Kev, giving up 17.7 points a game. The Dolphins, however, are third in the NFL. I was surprised by that, giving up only 18.8 .8 points a game. Both of these teams give up less than 20 points a game, yet the total is 46. And guess what, Kev? It's also Tua time. And the first hmm. time Tua is out there, he's going to have Aaron Donald coming up on his ass the entire time. Can I tempt you with this under? The number's a little bit higher. I believe it's at 46. No, I think it might be a fair play there. The Rams like to run the football, right? That's what they yes. are interested in doing. Yes. They have been if more you want to get over this number, you probably want to back Miami. To be fair, right. the Rams this year have been playing under at home. Um, so maybe away, they're forced to move the ball a little bit more. This is a nearly identical schedule spot to what we saw last Sunday night. Except it's even more in favor to Miami because they're home. Seattle's on the road. And the Rams are not only not home, they're traveling all the way over here to the East Coast for a 1 o'clock start on a short week having played Monday Night Football. But McVay has been almost flawless in 1 o'clock start times in the East Coast while the head yeah, coach of the Rams. This is a game that I was earlier sticking my chest out on like look ahead lines <laughs> the rams are gonna destroy the dolphins everybody's gonna be so excited about to it you fools right but the more i look at the schedule spot the more timid i get on actually wanting to back the side here the one thing to know the dolphins all year long have been very bad against the run the Rams have been right. very, very good at running the football pretty yes. early on. Because I know I was like higher on the Rams right during kind of our roster resets. But pretty early on, you were like, yo, this offensive line is aggressive. This team's running the football. They look great. I have like yep. pretty like you were like, yo, I see it. This this is this team. Monday night big. in the first week of the season. That was the right. thing I took away from Monday night or whatever. Exactly. Sunday night, the first so week. 
my thing is with this total of 46, I think you could be on to something here. Is Tua going to really light this team up? And uh, as much as it's worries me, I'd rather lay the three with the Rams and, and the better football team and yeah. ignore the schedule spot. That's tough. It is tough. Then you can always just defer right back to that West versus East travel. But I am with you, Kev. The Rams have been more physical. The Rams, this is not like the greatest show on turf anymore. Okay, this is run the ball. And then Woods and Cup on play action. This is not even the McVay Rams that went to the Super Bowl with Gurley. They want to punch you in the mouth. I'll also say... I'm fading Gaskin in this one. I think Brita starts to get a bigger role with the Dolphins. And my man Craig Mish down in Miami, he agrees. Keep an eye out for that. We'll be back right here on the early line after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Kevin, before we hit our two, we've got another game. It's interesting. In the AFC West, you got two teams that are two and four, but, you know, two and four feel a lot of different ways. Honestly, for me, Denver is a two and four, and they kind of feel like they're in purgatory. Their offense doesn't feel explosive. Drew Locke, we're still wondering about him. For me, at least, the two and four Chargers feel a lot better, right? Those moral victories of Herbert against Hall of Fame quarterbacks, close against Kansas City, close against the Saints, right? And now they're finally progressing. I think Herbert has the arrow pointing up. They seem more dynamic. I don't know about Denver, but two and four could feel real different depending on how you get there i guess listen a lot of people are very very excited about justin herbert odds on favor to win rookie of the year and they should be he's looked awesome yeah but i feel pretty good about back in denver plus three in this game again okay, the notion of the chargers played down to the competition some people might say ah but they covered last week yeah you didn't bet the chargers if that's your response that team was up 16 <laughs> nothing before you know it it was 21 16 jaguars yeah. that game got completely out of hand. And I got to say, now, are the Chargers better than the 2-4 and four record? Yes. I think Denver might be a little bit too. If you think about Fair. it, right, we had this team week one hang with the Titans. That was Drew Locke. Week two, sure. now, he didn't play a lot of the game, but they hung around the Steelers. I really don't care about what mm-hmm. Jeff Driscoll did at all against the Bucs. They had a game against the Jets. They won, but I don't care. All the games against the Jets do not matter. Worst team in football, maybe ever. Then we had the game where they went to New England and got the job done. Now, New England's a total mm-hmm. mess right now, but I think that still matters. And then that last week game against the Chiefs, uh, I had the over in that football game. And it, look, the game was all over the place there. Uh, the Chiefs turned a kick back to the house, locked through a pick six. It was over before it started almost when you have that type of stuff. They turned the football over in the snow, but I still think the Chargers played down to their competition. I believe I will be able to middle this football game. I believe mm. I can get Denver plus three, maybe three and a half. We'll see if some more people buy Herbert. And I think I'll be able to get the Chargers plus three or plus three and a half and hope this mm. is what I believe will be a field goal game. Maybe you want to do what uh, like our guy Cam Stewart and tease every single direction in this game. Yeah. One last note from a fantasy side. 
Keenan Allen has eight catches or more in like four of his last five. The shift from Terod conservative to Herbert slinging it impacts him maybe the most in the NFL. I'm number two when we're back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.